Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. It's usually on my mind to cover off some of the key points from the Chancellor's budget, and that indeed is the plan for this week's episode as well. So after a seemingly endless raft of changes from recent budgets and autumn statements, which of course have now been merged into one annual budget around about this time of year, What do we have to look forward to, or indeed fear, from the latest budget? The title of this week's episode does give something of a clue. So don't expect a long winding road this time, folks. Right, let's uh, cover off the main aspects from the budget um, uh, that we should all be concerned about right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Okay. Let's look at the key points from what, what is now last week's budget, many of, many of which you perhaps have heard about actually in the intervening period. Certainly one of them is the most significant one, which uh, captured most of the press attention. But um, I'll cover them off and, and along with uh, my own take on them. Uh, but essentially, there were three major aspects of the budget that could have a direct impact on us as property investors, namely stamp duty, support for house builders and developers, and some promises to talk some more about a few things property related. So first of all, we have stamp duty. But don't get too excited as this one does not affect us directly. Perhaps indirectly, yes, but not directly. So instead, the Chancellor has decided to give around 80% or more first-time buyers a helping hand by abolishing stamp duty literally overnight. First of all, the policy change. First-time buyers will be exempt from paying stamp duty on properties costing up to £300,000 altogether, or on the first £300,000 on properties costing up to £500,000. So what difference will it make? Well, in most of the outer regions of England and Wales, which are covered by the announcement, not much really. No stamp duty is payable by first-time buyers or indeed any single homeowner um, i.e. they don't have more than one property, this is for their primary residence, on the first 125000 of uh, the purchase price in any event. And then the average home value for first-time buyer purchases costs around £200,000 nationwide, significantly boosted, I have to say, by London and the South East. So the typical saving is going to be around £1,500. But this falls to around £1,000 outside of London and the South East, where, of course, the average has fallen. In London and South East, the savings could be more significant, with an average of around £11,000 to be uh, saved. However, already high deposit levels and other moving-related costs could blunt its effect somewhat. Of course, as property investors, not only do we not qualify for the first-time buyer stamp duty saving, but we also have to pay a 3% stamp duty premium as well. And this could potentially lead to investors being outbid on typical starter home types of property acquisition, especially if we intend to buy using a mortgage. 
And the reason that mortgage-backed investors could suffer more is down to the tougher lending affordability hurdles that we also have to jump over as a result of some previous changes, of course. Now, many of the industry commentators suggest that the stamp duty saving will probably actually be passed on to vendors in the form of higher prices in any event, rather than offering a genuine saving to first-time buyers. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. First-time buyers will be able to bid more for a property in the knowledge that they can nick a little bit back through the stamp duty saving. So it does little really to support stretched affordability of first-time buyers in truth. And in terms of fixing our housing supply, it does nothing for that either, as, um, as it would be what we call a demand-side incentive rather than a supply-side one. Personally, I suspect the incentive is aimed at uh, providing a boost to the housing market, which in terms of transaction levels at least, and especially in London and the southeast, where perhaps the benefit will be of, the, of the change will be felt the most, has been struggling of late. So that was the first uh, major um, event or announcement in the budget that concerns us. The second one is uh, an announcement of further support or support for house builders and developers. And this has actually been you know, growing and developing over time. And in fact, some of the announcements sort of builds on that or almost repackages or repurposes it to some extent. Now, of course, 44 billion does sound like quite a lot of money, doesn't it? 44 billion pounds. Well, that's what's been promised to support house builders and developers. However, that's over the next five years. So it reduces the average to about 8.8 .8 billion a year, which doesn't sound quite as big a number now, does it? Of this uh, 44 billion, 15 billion has been promised as cash support directly to house builders. But over half of that, at around 8 billion, is in the form of loan guarantees and not cash at all. There are some other bits and pieces around the edges, including one and a half billion over five years in loans helped at helping to kickstart development projects for small house builders. And that's, of course, a welcome you know, boost, if you like, or, or, or support for the small house builder, a small developer. However, as observed, uh, I read by Anthony Coding, who's uh, the house building analyst from the investment bank uh, Jefferies, this only amounts to around 30,000 plots of land over five years. And this is against a, a target, a backdrop, a backdrop of a target of 300,000 new developments or new housing starts a year, which is, uh, which of course is the aim. So 30,000 over five years when we need to fill a hole of around about 300,000 new developments a year. So if you're a small developer thinking this could help you to fund your next project, well, perhaps don't hold your breath for too long, will you? I think there are some decent ideas in there, in, in, but in truth, there, there, there are mere drops in the ocean when it comes to providing a significant boost to the housing supply. So the stamp duty change certainly helps with the demand side. There are some you know, changes in here or some support in here on the supply side, but not a great deal in reality. So that was the second change, and here's the third one that I wanted to feature today. And I guess you'd call it more, yet more talking about fixing the housing market rather than any concrete uh, policy changes as such. So in addition to the stamp duty change and the assistance to house builders and developers, there were some promises to talk some more. <laughs> as suggested by a piece in the FT, the uh, talking shops, as I would call them, or rather consultations, perhaps building on the government's housing white paper, will centre around 
minimum densities for housing developments in city centres and around transport hubs. Of course, that will help to in increase the, the rate of building in those significant areas where you know, density is going to be uh, much more important. Changes to policy to make it easier to convert retail and commercial land into housing. So slipstreaming, if you like, some of the uh, planning process. More room to borrow for councils, but in areas with high affordability pressure. So not across the board, in other words. Councils will also be able to apply more in council tax to empty homes. So a bit of a penalty there if you leave your home empty. But I rather suspect many of the empty homes, you know, they're left empty for a reason. Maybe they can afford a, a double council, council tax charge. Who knows? There's going to be a consultation on the barriers to landlord offering longer term tenancies to tenants. Of course, this has been spoken about already um, for some time now. So it's trying to fix those sort of things. And it's mainly probably around um, uh, the legal system and also uh, lenders, which are the biggest barriers, I would suggest. And finally, an extra 125 million um, set aside to increase the housing benefit of those living in the fast rental growth areas. So recognizing, I guess you'd say, that uh, finances are being stretched for people on benefits in, in areas which have seen quite rapid rental growth, which has got to be handy. And to be fair, there's, there's some good things in here as well. But the reality is that many of the commitments right now, at least, are just pledges to talk rather than any concrete policy changes. So I guess you'd say it's a step in the right direction and probably best just to leave it at that. So besides those three points or all of that, there's nothing really earth shattering in the budget, I didn't think. Unless you're an overseas investor with interest in commercial property, which is not exactly a significant proportion of our listenership. But that, if that is you, you better have a read of the small print, I suggest. Okay, so after covering off these uh, three budget key points quite quickly this week, I shall have the pleasure of giving you back some extra time in your day. Although next week should be a more full-on and uh, highly practical episode. I plan to have a special guest with me to talk about some ways to make more money from our home perhaps even turning what Robert Kiyosaki considers a liability into an asset. So do make sure you join me for next week, won't you? That's all then for this week. And as usual, you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, if you want to talk about anything from today's show or more generally in property investing. Also, the show notes will be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. But for now, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's Cha Cha. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.